coming back to June 5th if you were here with us. A lot of you are new. We're doing this series to get to the heart of it. What is current all about? What is the vision? And so today what we're going to do is we're going to focus more specifically on the community component of that. So let me let me say a prayer and then we'll we'll get into it. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we get to worship you. Thank you so much that uh, we get to be a body, a light in this community. Lord, we just want to hold up your love for everyone to see. Not ours, yours. And this is fun. What a, what a wonderful family you've already been bringing together and you're continuing to bring together. Um, we love you and we want to love others because of your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you want to turn your Bibles to John 13, that's the text we're going to be looking at. Your Bible app, whatever, it'll be on the screen. That's fine, too. Uh, but to get into this, the Silicon Valley is obviously filled with global game changers. I mean, Google's right there. I mean, chances are there are probably Google bikes in our parking lot. Seriously, I see them around all the time. Apple's right there. LinkedIn, Facebook flanks us. Flanks us. Even if you're from this area, I didn't actually know that within a, act- a very short mile radius from where we're sitting right now, there are thou- there's over a thousand high tech headquarters and startups. Over a thousand. Uh, you know, I, I had a conversation with a friend on this launch team a couple years back, and we were talking about this. I was kind of gawking over this whole idea. Of he 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 was uh, then employed at Apple. We had just had lunch there. And I said, man, isn't it cool that you get to work on some of these products that are, that are literally changing the way we communicate? Like, there's not 10 minutes that go by that I'm not checking my iPhone. So you get to work on the iPad. You get to work on, you know, the, you know, the watches that come up. We won't excuse the Apple uh, TV. That's not been the hottest of, of products. But, y- but Apple's just been doing these wonderful things. They're working on the Apple TV right here. It's going to be wonderful. But Apple's doing these wonderful things. And I was talking to this guy, uh, my friend, and he said, you know what? And I loved him for this, being a pastor. He said, you know, as wonderful as it is to get to work on some of these products, they're going to all fade away. But the gospel is forever. The good news of Jesus is forever. What was he meaning by that? It's like, sure, the iPhone, it's going to be in our history textbooks of, of technology for generations to come. But the gospel transforms lives, makes differences in lives both now and forever. And it's this product, if you will, it's not a product, it's this message that we believe it's all, we're all about here at Current. And we just want to make available to our community a message of, of restoration and healing that comes in this. And boy, do we need restoration and healing these days. I, mean, I don't have to go through all the events that we're seeing. Your, your news feeds, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is, are, are going to tell you. I mean, I woke up today, more of it. Yesterday, the day before, three back-to-back, day after day after, just senseless violence. I mean, gone are the days where social media is plastered by puppy dogs, you know, and little babies. I actually miss those days. Just, just senseless acts of violence throughout the world in our nation. And then we're in this m- the middle of this crazy presidential election cycle where it just seems to me that what we're doing on both sides of the aisle is just try to tear down each other. All while we just need to be there for each other, building each other up. So my question is, where's the hope in all of this? Is the hope at the end of the day in politics? Is the hope in things like technology? We believe here that the hope is in the gospel of Jesus. 
And this is what we want to lay out as a church. This is what we want to offer the community. We talked about last time our vision, higher level, love God, love one another, love the world, and we're starting to do that here in the, in the community of Mountain View in Silicon Valley. But we want to take this vision to hold out the gospel. Now, how is this ultimately going to happen? The main driving impetus for it is community. It's community. And if there's anything we're about here at Current, it's community. And so I want to look at this text, John 13, uh, starting in verse 33, and, and really sink our teeth into, dive a little bit deeper into what we're trying to do, what we're all about as we try to make a difference in this community as a community ourselves. So John 13, starting in verses 33, this is Jesus talking to the disciples. Judas had just left to betray him. Judas was one of the 12 disciples. Uh, Jesus is saying this. He says, my children, I will be with you a, only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Now, one of the things I find most fascinating, most curious about this text is the fact that Jesus is saying, a new command I give you. And I wonder if you think this is curious, even if you've never read the Bible before, because if there's anything we know about Jesus, it's probably this, that he was teaching about love a lot. He said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. He even went out to say, love your enemies. Jesus was talking about love all the time. But here he's saying, hey, I got a new one for you. Love one another. Now, what's going on there? Well, to understand the context, as I said earlier, Judas had just left to betray Jesus, meaning there were only hours before Jesus was going to be arrested and the events of him going to the cross and its subsequent resurrection were going to take place. In other words, he had just a few precious hours, these, this special moment with the disciples that he wanted to impress upon them something important. He said, a new command I give you. And he said, I'm leaving you because I'm going to set up this new family. You, you, don't you realize I need to leave so that this can all happen for you. This love of restoration of a, of a relationship with God can happen for you in community. I'm going to create the church is what he was doing. And furthermore, you disciples, I've been spending all this time with you, grooming you to say now it's in your hands to take on this mission. And what I love about it is he says, okay, you're taking on this mission. Here's how you do it. Go and, you know, start a crusade. Pick up a sword. No. Go and take my mission forward by getting involved in politics. You know, go and start this mission by Bible-thumping folks and coercing them to be my followers. None of that. Jesus says, here's how you take my mission forward. Love one another. That's the vision. That's the heart. And in a day and age where, broadly speaking, a lot of folks, I mean, we see the research backing this, are rejecting the American church because, oh, it's just too political. Oh, it's about these things. A lot of these things are not the, 
that have nothing to do with what Jesus ultimately is telling us to be about, and that is simply loving one another. Uh, we just want to, at, at current, tear everything away, the non-essentials away, and focus on Jesus and what he calls us to. And what he calls us to is to love one another in community, as a family. Now, what does this look like? Uh, Jesus says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's a pretty strong qualifier, wouldn't you say? As I have loved you, Jesus had been doing some loving with the disciples. And he's saying, as I have loved you, this is how you are to love each other. Just to think about this, a couple of thoughts. Number one, how did, how did he model for us that we were, we were to love each other in community? First of all, he was present. He was there with the disciples in the flesh, spending time with them, putting up with them, answering their questions. He was there. Why is this important? Guys, it just seems to me it's ever increasingly hard in the Silicon Valley to build community. Is it not? I mean, how many of us here, how many of you here, I mean, the workload is just, it's a lot. The pressure, you're working overtime. Some of you have multiple jobs. Where's the time to develop relationships outside of work? Parents here are predominantly dual income. Technology puts the illusion that we're building relationships with our friends and family who are from afar. And don't get me wrong, I love me some, some, some FaceTime. I use it all the time. But it can be the illusion that we're, we're not actually having the community that God calls us to ultimately, and that is the face-to-face, building it in community. I love how uh, Tim Keller puts as a pastor in New York. He says, God made us embodied beings. The body, though it is weakened by sin, is a great good. God was so positive about bodies that he himself assumed a body in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. If we are going to give and receive grace from each other, we have to get it the way God gave it to us. We have to be involved in accountable friendships and deep relationships with other people where we live. Uh, What does this mean for us? I think in the least it means making ourselves available, prioritizing getting intentional about building relationships. We're trying the best we can here at Current to provide multiple ways to do this. For instance, serving on a team. You know, the folks who are here on the sound working to, ca- to calibrate, as we're, this is all coming together. We're here yesterday. There's new folks getting involved. And we're just rubbing shoulders, getting to know each other, hanging out. The team with the kids, as, as they're setting up and tearing down, we're, we're having time where we just can say, hey, so can we get together next week? How are you doing this week? How's it going? By the way, shameless plug, we would love to have you in the kids' ministry. Wonderful little ones. It's a wonderful team. I'll tell you more about that later. Um, any way possible, we're just mini-community. In the fall, we want to start community groups where we are taking regular time out of the week to, s- to spend it with each other, to encourage one another, to pray for each other, to ask the questions we love to say, not just how are you doing, but how are you really doing? To get beyond that answer of, oh, I'm just busy. Life's busy. No, 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 no. Stop, stop. Let's talk about this. How are you doing? Jesus was present. He loved through being there. As I have loved you, we need to be present. We need to make ourselves available. Second, Jesus loved non-exclusively. These 12 guys who he had been spending just the last three years with, day and night, were just a ragtag group of folks. I mean, we're talking fishermen. We're talking a tax collector. We're talking an overly excitable zealot. 
I mean, these guys, in other words, would have never have been friends otherwise apart from Jesus. And then you look a, 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 a circle out from just that inner circle of 12, and you saw that who were Jesus' followers? Prostitutes, high-level government officials, soldiers. Jesus was even known as being the friend of sinners, people who don't have their act together. And the religious leaders would come, and they'd say, hey, why are you spending all your time with those guys? those people I mean, don't you know who they are and Jesus would have none of that he said look I'm, I'm making myself available to them even even as I make myself available to you uh, Jesus loved non-exclusively we need to love non-exclusively what does this mean for us I, I think I think for starters it means we need to love folks who don't necessarily share our affinity for skinny jeans or maybe if this is you and maybe this is a lot of us uh, love folks who despise those who have an affinity towards skinny jeans. Whatever it might be, in the church, we are to take the time we have with the body to develop relationships that we might not otherwise share an interest with, share common interests with. We are to take the time to develop relationships with people that we would say, oh my goodness, I would never have chosen to love you or be loved by you except that God's love is bringing us to here together, and that is beautiful. It is wonderful to me. It is wonderful to us as a community. At Current, we want to be the sort of church where people of different backgrounds, educations, culture, all genuinely are coming together, serving our community, because we're bound by a common cause and experience, ex- desiring to help others experience this life-changing, restoring gospel message. And by God's grace, this is already happening. I, you know, we have a number of folks with different languages as the mother tongue, different backgrounds. And it, wherever you are, wherever your background is, you are welcome here. We would love to have you as part of this team, even help us build this church together as God's people. Jesus loves non-exclusively. We're called to approach community the same way. As I've loved you, this happens in, in any number of ways. I'm just going to pull out two more thoughts, and this is, these are going to be quicker. Jesus was very forgiving, or how I like to think of it, he did a lot of putting up with stupid. I mean, when you read the stories of Jesus in the New Testament, the disciples did a lot of stupid. Uh, you know, for instance, one of my, one of my favorite stories of, man, I, I'm glad I'm not, at least not that bad, is one of the times, this is after uh, Jesus had been seen, like the disciples had seen that he had calmed the storm, he had that power, he had multiplied the loaves and the fish. He had that power. He had great power to do the miraculous. And they're walking about, Jesus and these guys, and they come to a, a city, and the city does not welcome them. And so Jesus says, okay, let's keep going. And James and John, two of these guys say, hey, Jesus, we know you got this in you. These guys are not nice to us. They're not welcome. Why don't you bring down fire on them? Like, you can do that. You're the son of God. Make it happen. I mean, you just hear Jesus hitting himself through the scripture. Like, no. I mean, that's just not what Jesus was standing for. But praise God that he was so forgiving and loving to those disciples. Because you know what? Any number of times he could have said, you know, I'm done with these guys. Uh, like, give me a, a, a new batch of 12. But thank God he didn't because we're here today because of the work he's done through them. And thank God that he was as forgiving as he was today. And he modeled that for us because you and I need forgiveness like this from time to time. We need to Make this available to each other in community. The last thought here I, I love is that is, is I've always admired so much how Jesus was able to love in grace and truth. 
Jesus, being the kind of the religious figure he was, being the, the healer presence that he was, he came across a lot of folks that just, they had some behavioral issues, you know. They were in stuff that was destructive to themselves and to others. And what's fascinating to me is when Jesus comes across these folks, he never says, you know what, we're just going to sweep this under the rug, not think about it. Nor does he just come down overly harsh and say off with his head or anything like that. Instead, he just gently, lovingly restores them. Grace and truth. Uh, as a community, we desire to love as Jesus has loved. This is what it looks like to model ourselves after the perfect love of Jesus. And then he says in verse 35, this is his purpose. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Uh, I, ju I just love this. Why do we need community? Well, in part, we need to grow and build ourselves. It's essential to who we are. But then Jesus says, and by the way, this is how people are going to be drawn into the faith. This is how people are going to be drawn to the gospel message, through loving each other. When you live, love in community, as I have uh, modeled for you, people will see that. This is what was behind that community block party that we just did. I mean, to be sure, a lot of work went into that. A lot of folks here sacrificed time, energy, resources to make it happen. The planning, the getting the word out, the, you know, making the event itself run. Now, did we do this event because, hey, we just want to have a fun event for the sake of having a fun event? Did we do this event because we want everybody to go away thinking, hey, Kern is cool? No. We did this because we want the community here, this neighborhood, to experience the love that we have for it, even the love we have for each other, and be drawn to that. That can be experienced even at something as simple as a block party. I was experiencing that, walking around, serving with you guys. It was a lot of fun. But how much more beautiful and precious is the love that people will experience? And Jesus will say, it's something that nothing else compares to. They will see me in it when we are living life together the way he's called us to. When not only are we having fun throwing block parties, but we're, when the highs and lows of life come and we stick with it, we bear each other's burdens, we forgive, people will be drawn to that. Now, look, I just think this is a glorious win-win for us as a church. I mean, oftentimes I feel like, and I share this with the team, I feel like I just got to pinch myself because what Jesus is saying is, here's what I'm calling you to do. Spend time with people you just really want to hang out with, you, you love getting along with. Some on the team, I wouldn't necessarily have chosen you to be friends. I don't mean that in a bad way. You wouldn't have chosen me to be a friend. I just mean in life circumstances. And yet, I wouldn't trade you for the world. Maybe you trade me for the world, but that's right. We get to do, we get to love each other. That's fun. That's awesome. It's challenging sometimes, but for the most part, what a joy, what a privilege. And Jesus is saying, in doing that, you're going to help others understand my love for them. Count me in. Count me in, because I. And if you're a follower of Christ, I, I, if you agree with me, there's nothing better than helping others experience the divine, sweet love that Jesus has for us. It is, it is divine. Here is Jesus saying, as I've loved you, and we've talked about ways that he's loved, he's modeled for the disciples up to this point, but what's even more powerful when he's talking to disciples and saying, as I've loved you, so you, you must love each other, is what he's getting ready to do, and that is give his life. To die 
on the cross for these guys and anybody who would put their faith in him. Listen, listen to how there's some context to this, uh, how it's even greater an act of love than we actually tend to see just on the surface of John. In Romans, uh, the writer Paul says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are still sinners, actually two verses later, while we are his enemies, Christ died for us. I have heard the gospel summarized this way, and I, I think it's just so beautiful, and it comes out here. The Bible shows us that we are actually more sinful or flawed than we ever dared fancy. But at the same time, in Jesus, we are more loved and accepted than we ever dared hope. You might be thinking, enemies of God, really? Can we be, can we be that much adverse to like what God would be like? Really? Enemies? That comes out in this text here. We see a picture of, yes, that's the case. You know Peter? He was, he was the main disciple. He's the main guy. He's, he got to spend the most time with Jesus. Jesus spent the most time pouring into him individually. He, Jesus said, I'm gonna, you're going to be the first early leader of the church. The main guy. And yet at the end of John 13, I won't read it again here. I'll just paraphrase it. Jesus said, Peter says, you're leaving? Okay, okay, okay. As much as I don't want that to happen, you know, I'm going to lay down my life for you. And what does Jesus say to him? He gently rebukes him. He says, you know what? As good of intentions as you have, Peter, as much as you love me and you think you love me, you're not only going to be abandoning me in my darkest hour, you're going to be denying me. Even with the best intentions, even the best of us, which often we don't even have the best of intentions, we are enemies of God. We've all, in our own way, abandoned him or denied him, like Peter. And yet Jesus says, Here's the gospel. He's not just come, he has not come to love those who are lovable. He came to love those who are unlovable and who are incapable of loving him anywhere near what he calls us to be, love him and what he deserves. This is what we want to hold out here at Kern. This is the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And what God says, what Jesus illustrates and, and models for us in the Bible over and over again is he's not going to try to convince you by beating you over the top of the head with it. Through coercion. You know? Through politics, whatever. No, how he's likely going to make it available to you is through the, the imperfect, grace-filled love of a Christian community. And that's what we want to lift up. You know, for you, if you're here and you're, you're searching spiritually, you're trying to figure out what Jesus is about, it really comes down to this. He says, I stand at the door and knock, and whoever hears my voice and lets me in, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. It's just a gentle offer. You, you can receive this life in Jesus even today. And then for those who have received Jesus, uh, this scripture is a call to live intentionally in community. We've got to be intentional about it, guys. This Silicon Valley, my goodness. We've got to be intentional about it. But it's not only good for us, as wonderful that is, it's, it's helpful for others to understand God's love for them. And what I think we must understand is it really comes down to this. We're going to mess up. We're not going to get it right. We're going to fail all the time. We don't claim to be a perfect church. But to the degree we remember and reflect and take in what God has done for us through Jesus and his selfless laying down his life for us is to the degree 
we will be able to live out that love for one another and extend it to others, welcoming them in. Let's pray. If you would, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to actually stop and give a moment uh, to reflect on this. If you're here, if you're here and uh, you would like to receive this love that Jesus offers in his death and resurrection, the forgiveness of sins, as the Bible puts it, the flaws, our brokenness that we each have had, the, the, how we abandon God, how we deny him, you can receive this life in his name even now. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. And with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity here and now to receive this love. And you can do that by indicating uh, so, by raising your hands. I will see it and pray for you. But more importantly, God will see it.